For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Stanford Cal, the 123rd big game. And on Friday, more than just the Stanford Axe is at stake, someone's got to get in the win column. Can it be the Cardinal? That's what we're here to try to break down on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by the Believe Podcast Network. Hey there, hi there, ho there. Glad you're with us on Wednesday, November 25th, 2020. Thanksgiving week and big game week as well. We are here to break it all down and get you ready. Everything you need to know for Friday afternoon's matchup over in Berkeley. Glad you're here with us. Hope you're having a great week. Hope you're staying safe. Hope you're making the right decisions in staying safe and keeping others safe as well. And uh, glad that you are spending part of your Thanksgiving week here with us. I am indeed Troy Clarity. Hello. Great to have you here. A lot to do. A lot of different voices you are going to hear. You're going to hear David Shaw break down his thoughts on the matchup against the California Golden Bears. You're going to hear... Offensive tackle Foster Sorrell, who's been in been in some battles against the Bears over the course of his career. You're going to hear inside linebacker Gabe Reed, outside linebacker Jordan Fox, running back Austin Jones, and you're also going to hear from a Stanford head coach who never lost a big game, ever. Looking forward to bringing all those things to you here on the tree cast. I'm in Detroit clarity 28th season of following Stanford football is well underway. Glad we could get this season underway, even though it's a bit later and a bit more under abnormal circumstances than I'm sure any of us would have liked. And I'm sure that, that we are all thankful that we could at least get this far and hopefully we can try to finish this thing up and hopefully Stanford can try to get in the win column against the California golden bear squad. That is also looking to get in the win column. Stanford 0-2, Cal 0-2 as well. Who gets in the win column first? We'll all find out on Friday afternoon over in Berkeley. Three things you need to know around Stanford Athletics, plus a full deep dive into the big game. But first, a reminder that the NFL season and college football both in full swing, and you might not be at the game this year. You certainly won't be in Berkeley. I will. 
but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino, it never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Three things you need to know around Stanford athletics, beginning with a Stanford men's basketball note at number one. And Wednesday was supposed to be a hoops double header at Maples, the season openers for, for Stanford women's basketball and the start of a highly anticipated season for Stanford men's basketball as well. But the Rona had other ideas. On Tuesday, the cards opener against Utah Valley, check that on Monday, the cards opener against Utah Valley was scrapped due to COVID-19 issues with the Wolverines. That game will be declared a no contest. And of course, one of the subplots of this one was going to be the return of Stanford all-time great Mark Madsen, who is Utah Valley's head coach. You might remember when he joined the TreeCast back in April. Now, Stanford women's basketball still scheduled to tip off versus Cal Poly at Maples at 11 a.m. on Wednesday, at least as I say this right now. Cardinal are number two in the AP preseason poll. But we're going to have to wait a little bit longer to watch Stanford men's basketball take the floor. Hopefully next week at the Maui Invitational in Asheville, North Carolina. Maybe. Let's get to number two. And of course, we did not have a Stanford football review episode of the TreeCast last week because Stanford football had its game against Washington State shelved. That announcement coming on Friday afternoon because Washington State didn't have enough guys from the Pac-10 state, from Pac-12 guidelines to be able to play a football game. How did the Cardinal handle that announcement relatively late in the week? Cardinal head coach David Shaw told us on Tuesday during his weekly press. That was a very difficult situation, not being able to play, and multiple scenarios went through, but um, we were going to have a short week with Cal, so we decided not to make it a short week. So we still brought the team out to practice on Friday, gave them Saturday off for the, for the, for the staff to prepare, and then treated our Sunday like a Monday. So we are able to pick up another day, so it didn't end up being a short week for us. So we could have a normal week. Yeah, that's really all you can do. Make the most of it. And, you know, the, once you figure out that it doesn't have to be a short week anymore, make the most of it and adjust your schedule from there. What's the what's the buzzword with the Stanford football squad this season? Relentlessly adapt. So that is what the uh, coaching staff did with their approach to uh, how things went and how to handle things after that game was canceled uh, on Friday afternoon. By the way, this was probably why the fact that Stanford had a short week this week, this was probably why Stanford couldn't find anyone to dance with last week after the game got back. Because with this week's game being on Friday, that meant playing on Sunday, which we are seeing around the Pac-12. Ask the California Golden Bears for their thoughts on this. Well, that just wasn't an option for Stanford last week. Now, some programs like to strut and puff and tweet and make sure that the world knows that they'll play any team, anytime, anywhere. And when it comes down to Come time to get down to brass tacks. They'll turn around in private and say, but only if we play an opponent that helps boost our resume. And only if the game is guaranteed. And only if the game is played at our stadium. That's certainly not any time, any team, nor anywhere, is it? I mean, it doesn't have to be why you would do that. I don't know. I don't know. Let's move on to number three. <laughs> 
And the Stanford Axe is up for grabs. And for the first time since we were being taught how to Dougie, that was a long time ago, that Axe is in Berkeley. Stanford trying to halt Cal's big game win streak at one. No crowds in Berkeley this year for obvious reasons, and more on this in a second. I'll be there. Will the Axe be in the building? What about the Stanford and Cal Axe committees? I asked David Shaw what he knows about those situations. I, I haven't heard exactly how things are going to transpire. Um, I'd imagine there's there's going to be some, some masking and some social distancing. Um, I think the two committees will probably have to work that stuff out. Um, but um, if, if there's a big game being played, the Axe will be in the stadium. So there you have it. At the very least, the Axe will be at Memorial Stadium on Friday afternoon. Now, what will a peaceful transfer of the Stanford Axe look like in the midst of a global pandemic? I'd love to find out. Beat Cal. Those are three things. Let's get you a quick uh, personnel and injury update for Stanford football. Uh, Branson Bragg. Uh, Stanford right guard was cleared last week to play against Washington State and uh, will likely return there this week against California. And uh, David Shaw says there'll be a three-man rotation at guard with Barrett Miller at left guard and Jake Hornerbrook spelling either uh, Bragg or Miller throughout the course of the game. And don't forget wide receiver Osiris St. Brown, who hasn't played yet. He was caught up in a COVID issue and was also a little bit banged up as well. You might go back to our preview show from the Washington State game. That that never happened. Uh, we talked about Osiris St. Brown and his unavailability up to this point. Well, he should be a part of things this week. Bears have some key injury and COVID issues that, that, they're, that they've been dealing with of late. More on their situation a bit later on. But here it is. Big game. And yes, here it is. I'm, I'm, I'm getting texts from, from my Cal fan, my, my Cal fan buddies going, hey, it, it doesn't feel like big game week. And in some ways it doesn't. Then again, nothing has felt like it should for, for much of this year. But, but it's here, scheduled to kick off on Friday afternoon. And a lot of things will be there. We know the acts will be there. We think the acts committees will be there. But of course, no fans will be in the building. And that's going to be strange. David Shaw realizes this. And he told us on Tuesday how he feels about the fans who won't be able to be in the building when Stanford and Cal kick it off. I feel awful um, for them, um, my family included. Um, you know, my wife's been going to football games since the year we met. Um, my, my kids have been going to football games their entire lives. There's so many uh, Stanford alums and fans that they enjoy the weekend, they enjoy that trip. Um, this, is a, this is a sport, I tell our guys all the time, this is a sport that was made to be seen by other people. Um, there's an energy that, that's brought in the stadium, home or away. Um, there, there's the, the initial reactions from the crowd and even, even when you're locked in, and a lot of times you don't hear, you don't black it out. There are moments where you do hear it and, and it gives you energy, um, whether they're rooting for you or against you. So um, I feel bad for those people that, that love to watch live games um, as opposed to watching them on TVs and devices um, because live sporting events are outstanding and they're community-based. And, um, you know, it's something that, one of the many things that we all are missing out on. Yeah, I've been to a couple live sporting events myself this month. Packers 49ers down at Levi Stadium and, of course, uh, Colorado Stanford. And without a real live crowd there, 
something was definitely missing. I mean, yeah, they, they pump in the artificial crowd noise. It's just not the same. They still have the music going on during, during commercial breaks as normal. It's just not the same. I still felt, I still felt pretty detached from it all. You know, you just miss that, that connection, that soundtrack, that energy that just wasn't there. I mean, this is, this is going to be my 18th big game in person and it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. I mean, you know, big games in Berkeley are always weird, but this is going to be a different level and a different kind of weird. Look, Old Blues have been looking forward to this game ever since last year's outcome with the Stanford Axe in Cal's hands and with this game in Berkeley. Those folks would have been in full froth for this one. But a lot of that energy won't be a part of this. And David Shaw's going to miss it a little bit. Now, now, don't get it twisted. While Shaw will miss not having that Berkeley crowd as a part of this game, I'm sure he's not complaining too much, right? I mean, if he had to pick between the two scenarios, I have a feeling he'd choose this one. From a competitive standpoint, anyway. Cardinal right tackle Foster Sorrell has already played a road game without natural crowd noise. That just happened to be up in Eugene to begin the season three weeks ago. On Tuesday evening, I asked Foster how much easier it was amongst and along the offensive line to communicate in that kind of environment. It's pretty beneficial. Uh, I think two years ago when we were in Eugene, it was like literally the ground was shaking. It was so loud. And so um, to have that difference out there however many weeks ago was, was really nice. Um, I think it makes communication a lot easier. It's also kind of interesting because you can hear like everybody's communication, which is kind of unique. Um, so you're hearing like the defense a lot, like a lot more uh, vividly than you usually would. And so trying to balance out whose voice is whose a little bit is kind of a, a caveat to the whole no crowd situation. Uh, but other than that, I mean, it's, it's definitely a benefit. Yeah. And, and who knows how much that could potentially help uh, again, especially against a Cal defense that seems to be still pretty stout among its front seven lost perhaps its best player on its front seven last year, but, but they've still got more than enough to give Stanford all it can handle more on the bears defense later on in the show. But as mentioned, both of these teams are Owen two, and each looking for their first win of the year. I asked David Shaw, how that could affect the dynamic of this year's big game. Yeah, it never does. Um, we're, we're, we're aiming to give them our best game and we know we're going to get their best game. Um, two teams that have been through some interesting situations uh, in their first two games. You know, two teams that only were able to play two out of the first three weeks. So um, we both are, are, are fighting our way through, but um, I think we're in a mode now where we're, we're feel like we're in mid season. Um, I know Cal uh, had a chance to, to seal that, that victory last week. Um, and they're feeling like they're much better now than they were first game they played in um, with their rushed and hurried circumstances. So um, I think this is going to be a hard-fought and well-played game. Well, in other words, and I, I should have known this, <laughs> crank up the, the announcer cliche machine here, <clears throat> you can throw out the record books when Stanford and Cal get together. I know it's a cliche, but you know what? They're, they're cliches and they're used quite often because more often than not, they're true. That being said, while I would imagine that he's right, that both teams being 0-2 doesn't really that matter that much, maybe not from his standpoint, I would also imagine that both of these teams need a win. Badly. 
if either of these teams want to do or come close to anything that I'm sure they hope to accomplish this season, they need to win on Friday. So that might increase the urgency on both sides just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. And that might add an interesting facet. An intriguing facet. I hate that word, interesting. And I try not to use it as an announcer because it's so overused. So let me, let me, re, let me rephrase that. Should add an intriguing facet to the dynamic of, of what is already a fascinating matchup as usual between Stanford and Cal. More on this year's big game in just a bit, but I, I want to go into the vault for just a brief moment or so and, and take you back and catch you up on a conversation that I had before last year's big game with a Stanford football head coach who never lost to Cal. You might remember him, Tyrone Willingham, the head coach at Stanford from 1995 to 2001 leading the Cardinal to a Rose Bowl berth in 1999 along the way and keeping the axe on the farm again and again and again and again and again and again and again. I, I, think, that's, I think that's all of them. But I think, you, I think you get what I'm saying here. Tyrone Willingham never lost a big game. Before last year's meeting between Stanford and Cal, I hosted the Stanford uh, pregame show, radio pregame show on KMBR because Larry Kruger, who normally hosts it, spent that week in Hawaii. I guess we know where his priorities are and how badly they need to be reset. But still, hey, that was so much fun uh, hosting that show that day. And the highlight of my day was talking to Tyrone Willingham. And I wanted to bring a, a good portion of that conversation back uh, on this episode of the TreeCast. And it started when Coach and I had a chance to sit down at Pac-12 Plaza with, with the fans all around tailgating and folks walking into the stadium and the band walking by and all the pomp and all the pageantry and all the things that we truly miss about game day. With all that happening around us, our conversation started with, with Coach's reaction to me wishing him a happy big game day. It's a great day to, to be here and an exciting day. And you think about um, all the games we've played and being fortunate enough to have a uh, undefeated uh, record as a head coach. But more impressively is that I was with uh, Denny Green and I saw uh, Ron Turner, one of the coaches from that staff, sitting uh, nearby. And um, we had three that we won with Denny. That's right. So I like that number of 10 and 0. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, had, you had a front row seat to 1991. That was a big time top 25 matchup all the way back in the day. And of course, as mentioned, uh, you were the head coach here from 95 to 2001. Never lost to Cal. Take, take me through and take me back to your first big game. As the head coach, 1995, that was a very good team for Stanford as well, and a good one for Cal uh, themselves as well. What changed when you, from, from being an assistant coach during big game week to being a head coach during big game week? Well, the, the, the number one change is the amount of responsibility you have, uh, all of the events you had to do, and really it was two weeks of events then that you started with luncheons the, the week before, and then you had luncheons the week of, and you went places. And, and what I tried to do was minimize what the assistant has had to do so that they could really focus on game plan and get all of that in place. But uh, I was blessed that when I came in 89 with Denny Green, he was very clear about who you had to beat, okay? <laughs> and at the top of that list was California, then USC, then UCLA, and he uh, initiated what we call the California Sweep 
at that time. Right. And that's something that we look forward to, the team look forward to, something that we talked about all the time. And like anything else, when you make something a priority, then it has importance. And winning that game and being uh, clear about our focus on that game became a part of uh, every day for the Stanford Cardinal. I feel the need to point out here that Stanford has pulled off the California sweep over over Cal and USC and UCLA. They won't get a chance to do it this year, obviously, mm-hmm. but they pulled it. Uh, they, they pulled it off uh, now three of the last five years. Cal has not beaten Stanford, UCLA, and USC in the same season since 1958. I just felt the need to, to point that out for, <laughs> well, for, for well, some you, reason. You can see the importance of doing that because usually when that happens, that puts you at the top of the conference. And that means you're on your way to being a potential champion yep. of this conference. And that's why it's important, and that's why uh, Denny cleverly uh, identified that as something that had to be done, needed to be done, and became a priority with the team. Which big game stands out most to you as you, as you think back? Really, there's not one. They all are so important. And I honestly, I have more problems. I have, a, I guess, a, a better memory for losses than I do victories. Okay, so I'm just delighted that we won them, okay, and that I can sit here and say, well, we, you know, we we were really lucky. We never lost one. <laughs> of course, now that being said, though, mm-hmm. 1999, 20 years ago, wow, where does the time go? But, <laughs> but 1999 with the Rose Bowl directly at stake, facing off against an undermanned Cal squad where they were down to their third-string quarterback in West Dalton. They had Delta O'Neal, who was a fantastic player, and he showed that uh, against Stanford that day. But, but overall, the Cardinal just too much for the Bears down the stretch. Take me through that day as you remember it, as it ended with Stanford running around, thinking about Pasadena and heading down there the following January 1st. Well, it, it wasn't that day. When you look at, at that day, you've got to go back and see a few other days in the course of that year that really set the table. Uh, First one was the first game of the year where we got beat the heat out of us, okay, down in in Texas. And we came back, and I think we ran off three or four games where we almost scored maybe 50 points a ball game. They start to to put the team back where we thought they should be. And then all of a sudden you're up at Washington. You lose that one, okay. And now you start to see a whole lot of teams start to factor into the championship. And then little by little we inch our way away from being co-champions to now having a chance to finish as the champion. And then you come to the Cal game where it's all on the line. And I think that the term we used in our our, um, game program that week, not game program, but for the team program was to share or not to share. That is the question. Okay, and that came out in terms of sharing a co-championship ring or being the undisputed champion of the Pac-10 at that time. So, therefore, you knew coming into that game, your team would be okay because we had over the years learned how to have poise surrounding the big game, not let the hype get you. Okay, because, you know, you mentioned, I think it was Brian Treggs you mentioned, it had that famous statement about he'll live in Palo Alto. Okay. That, that didn't happen last time I checked. <laughs> no, it is not going to happen. But to say something like that shows the inability to control your emotions at that time. And our Stanford guys have done such a great job over the years of being able to maintain that poise, and that's what it's going to take to win the game. Even today, it's going to take that kind of poise because you're going to bring the intensity. Okay, you know it's different. The buzz around here is a little bit different than some of these other games. There are more people around here. There are different colors in the parking lot that used to be there. So you start to feel the hype, but it's the ability to maintain your poise, but yet intensity 
that wins that game, and our players over the years have done that better than Cal. Yeah, as a head coach, how much of this week is about emotion management and making sure that the guys are, as you said, intense, but not necessarily out of control? Well, the first thing is you better make sure they get the game plan. (laughs) <laughs> that's, number one. That's, that's number one let's make sure we've got that under control and then you want them to kind of feed on the emotions of the week because i've always said you don't need to tell a thoroughbred it's the kentucky derby there's something about the atmosphere right. they know that it's time we heat this one up okay it is go time and it's the same way about this game these guys will know there's something that says go today but it's the ability of a of a game that's I don't I don't say 60 minutes long because we know the actual playing time is much less than that. Uh, but the experience is 60 minutes long, and being able to control your emotions and keep them high for 60 minutes is the key. As we wrap this up, the axe, the tangible trophy for for what this rivalry is all about. Any big memories for you about specific dealings? With the axe, I mean, did it hang out in your office for a couple of hours or so after you won it? You know, what? Uh, tell me about you and the axe. Well, I just wanted to make sure that it was on campus. <laughs> that, that was my job. And my, within sight. My job was to get it on campus. Not even in sight, because I knew they'd lock it up and they'd have guards and everything else. But my job was simply to make sure that it became property of Stanford once again. Okay? And that's how I worked through our players Okay, through our administration, through our staff, you know, Dr. Ted Leland and all the great coaches we had to just ensure that we got it back on campus. And then once we did that, oh, the Ash Committee took care of everything else. (laughs) That was it right there. Okay. Well, you kept the Axe every single time. You got it back in 95, and it remained on this campus every single year that you were the head coach and an assistant coach. Yeah, ten well. years. Yeah, ten, ten years. years. That's that's a that's a pretty that's a decade. That's a decade. Well, that is that is a decade. Well, and on that note, should be intriguing, should be fun. Well, it, it, it should be fun, and it should be exciting because it is such a great game. And I, I think the thing that you love most about a game like this is that you can have a truly friendly rivalry, okay, and that you can be intense beyond belief about the game but yet at the same time still be friends. And that's what's so great, and that's what makes it so competitive uh, when you have that school right across the bay, okay, (laughs) that you can think about them every day, okay? That's what you like. That's why they call it big game. Big game it is. And he never lost one. Not as an assistant coach and not as a head coach. 10-0. Do you think he's proud of that? That was my chat with Tyrone Willingham before the 2019 version of the big game. And yeah, Tyrone saw some pretty good ones. That 2000 big game that went to overtime, what a what a back and forth affair that was in the final moments of the fourth quarter. And then Casey Moore taking the play fake after Cal missed the opening, missed a field goal on their opening possession of the first overtime. And Randy Fasani play faking on second down from the 25 and finding Casey Moore, who snuck behind everyone who made the wide-open catch for the game-winning touchdown. Boy, Casey Moore, bear killer. Is he allowed in Berkeley after what he did to Cal in 2000 and the year before as well? Oh, by the way, this is the 30th anniversary of the Revenge of the Play. 
1990 big game in which Stanford scored twice in the final 12 seconds uh, to shock the California Golden Bears. Tyrone was, was around for that one as an assistant coach under Denny Green's staff. So he's been around for some good ones, and he never lost one. Always awesome to see Tyrone. Glad that he's still around the program and the school. Tyrone's teams, I thought, reflected him. Very measured, very disciplined, and you might have underestimated them at first. Kind of guy, who, who are these guys? But they fought, they competed, they represented the university well, and they were teams that, on the whole, you were pretty proud of. You were pretty proud of. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big Tyrone Willingham fan, and it was really cool that he caught up before last year's big game. It was, it was certainly the highlight of my day because it didn't get much better after that. Now, David Shaw used to be in the I never lost to Cal as a head coach club until last year's matchup. Chase Garbers scored late to go ahead. Stanford got stuffed on short yardage with the game on the line. Next thing you know, Bears fans storming the field with their players carrying away the Stanford X. Tough scene, tough way to have a nine-year win streak against Cal come to an end. After last year's game, Shaw said that he couldn't really reflect on things in that exact moment that he would need a year to sit on it. Well, that year has passed. And this week, Shaw was asked how he feels about that game now. To, to answer you not in coach speak and answer you honestly, awful. Absolutely awful. Um, we had every opportunity to win the game. Um, we didn't hand it away. Cal took it from us. Um, got outstanding play by Garbers. Just played a great game. Um, the the linebacker, his name escapes me right now, but defensive player of the year, had one of the better performances we've ever faced. Guy was everywhere. Still have no idea why he went so late in the draft because I think he's an outstanding football player. Um, and uh, those two guys were, were the difference. They, they made big plays. We had Kobe Parkinson down the middle for potentially a game-sealing touchdown, and um, you know, he made that play and we had Garbers bottled up probably three times and he escaped and made, uh, made big plays with his legs and then made about three or four big time throws. So, um, you know, you, you hate to lose to your rival. You hate to lose to your rival at home. Um, you hate to see them carrying the ax on your field. Um, so yeah, uh, bottom line is, is, uh, it has not, um, been good and hopefully, um, we get to, uh, to return the favor. Yeah, hopefully so. I mean, look, 10 years ago, Stanford came into Berkeley after letting one get away against Cal the year before. The finish of that 2009 big game still irks me. And, and they served up a hot buttered beat down to the Bears. Sean Catoose pinballing off of Andrew Luck. Cardinal grabbing the, the, grabbing the Stanford axe back and, and as close to a perfect game as I've ever seen Stanford play. That was fun to watch, man. Now, of course... That was also the best Cardinal football team of my lifetime. This year's crew, not so much. But still, still, precedent set for Stanford to bounce back after a tough loss and big game the year before and come to uh, Berkeley and snatch the Stanford Axe right back. Anyway, last year was devastating for David Shaw. It was also crushing for offensive tackle Foster Sorrell. I just really, <clears throat> I remember us losing and like, the feeling of the weight of um, the accumulation of this program over the past decade and a half and what has been built here. 
it kind of just crushed me. Um, and I know Drew felt it a lot too, because we were, I mean, when we were freshmen, it was just like, it was just what you did. I mean, you just beat Cal. Like that's just kind of how it went. And so um, to kind of fall to that standard was pretty crucial, pretty heartbreaking. So um, I think, I think that is more fuel to the fire than anyone can need. Yeah. You can just hear just how much weight that put on Foster perhaps put on this year's senior class as well and just put on the program right now. It is the Stanford Axe, after all. Got to get that puppy back. In order to do that, they're going to need to get in the win column against a Cal squad that's also 0-2, and they're fighting to keep the Stanford Axe. Bears have had a intriguing season, <laughs> unpredictable season to say the least. Had their opener against Washington and Berkeley uh, canceled because of some Cal COVID issues uh, for the Bears. Uh, they had their their next game against Arizona State. They were supposed to go down to Tempe. That got canceled. Boy, the Sun Devils, they need to get healthy fast. I, I, I hope that that program, now that they're going to miss three weeks in a row now, I, I really hope that program is able to get back on its feet because I, I thought that was one of the better teams in the Pac-12. And obviously from just from personal health standpoint as well, hope those hope those kids, hope those Stanfords all get healthy as quickly as they possibly can. And not just not just from a football standpoint, but that that Arizona State game got replaced by a quick trip to Pasadena, which the Bears have never done on January 1st, at least not over the last 62 years anyway. But two days notice, Cal at UCLA on a Sunday morning, 9 a.m. kickoff, and Cal just did not look good for much of that game. UCLA won that one going away. And now the Bears are coming off a tough loss at Oregon State last week. They're up 27-24 with 8.04 to go. But then Oregon State went ahead with 4.30 left, held off Cal's final drive to win 31-27. A couple things to note about the Bears. One, they're banged up a bit more than Stanford is, especially up front. They missed three offensive line starters last week at Oregon State due to COVID-19 protocols, and they lost center Michael Safel along the way against the Beavers. He was actually on crutches by game's end. Safel's status, questionable. Probably a game day decision for Stanford. But it looks like the other three linemen are also going to miss big game too. Now, for their part, and for the most part, that depleted line actually did all right against the Beavers for the most part. But it's still not the A-team running around out there for the Bears. Can Stanford take advantage? Who knows? Who knows? Now, you might remember Chase Garbers, Cal's quarterback. You can probably still see him crossing the goal line last year in your nightmares. He can make plays with his legs and his arm. I asked inside linebacker Gabe Reed for the Cardinal what it takes and what it might take for Stanford defensively to keep the clamps on Garbers. I think the, the biggest thing for us is, is just being assignment sound, um, making sure guys are fitting the right gaps. Um, when you have contain, keeping contain, uh, he's, he's a, a dangerous weapon. Um, we saw that last year in the big game, you know, he, he kind of gassed us. So definitely emphasizing just, just doing your assignment, not trying to do too much, but, you know, working together to, to bring him down, like vice tackling more than one guy, getting everybody to the ball. Yeah, Garbers makes the Cal offense go. There is no question about that. But that being said, I also like Cal's wide receivers, Kakoa Crawford and Makai Polk. They made big catches last week against the Beavers. And, and I'm still seeing Nico Ramihio in my sleep from last year. Stanford just couldn't cover that guy. He's slippery in the return game too, by the way. 
Bears have some some good running backs as well. They're a bit dinged up at that spot, but 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 they were able to to do some things on the ground against Oregon State last week too. Cal's offense this year looks more potent than last year. That's not saying much, but it's still saying something. Is Stanford's defense up to the challenge? Well, first, David Shaw lets us know where things stand on that side of the ball for the Cardinals. We are searching for consistency ourselves. Um, played very well in spurts. We've, we've given up too many explosive plays. Um, some of those, hey, um, the first explosive play we gave up against Oregon was great coverage and a one-handed catch. Like those are things that you're, you're just going to give up. Guy's going to make a great play. You pat him on the back, say, let's line up again. Um, this past game, hey, we, we blew a coverage, right, which is very on Stanford. Like we blew a coverage and, and let a guy run free for a touchdown. Um, those are things that can't happen. Um, we, we did a better job against the run uh, week two than we did week game, game two than we did game one. Um, some of our defensive linemen um, made, made some plays and got off blocks. Hard to single out. Guys have been playing extremely well. And Thomas Booker's playing at a high level. I think he's only going to get better. He's still young. He's still growing. Still, still improving. Um, but I think we've got an entire unit that I think is 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 hopefully starting to gel. Um, granted, this is week three, but I mean we're quote unquote midseason, so we got to be a midseason form. It's hard to single out an individual player, partly because no individual player for has stood out in particular for Stanford defensively. I mean, Thomas Booker's had moments. Tomas Schaffer's had moments. Levani Demunio with a turnover with a turnover touch at Oregon, but outside of that, er. now since Justin Wilcox has taken over, Cal's defense has kind of run the show, and that's what the Bears have become known for, right? And it makes sense. Wilcox, a much more defensive-minded coach, and you've certainly seen that. Certainly, much more. You know, defense actually playing defense actually an option. Tackling people actually an option, unlike how it seemed to be when Sonny Dykes was running the show in Berkeley. But Cal has become known for its defense under Justin Wilcox. David Shaw shared his impressions of this year's defense for Cal. What you see with the Justin Wilcox team is you see discipline. Um, you see discipline. You see toughness. You see effort. Um, they recruit guys that are long and physical and athletic. Um, and you just, it, even on the, on the outside chances periodically when they don't play well, you don't see a whole bunch of guys running wide open, right? Someone might get beat, something might happen, but um, you'll see the guys in their positions. You'll see them playing physical. Um, you're not going to shove these guys around. Um, it's going to be a tough battle. Um, and and it's, it's, it's a great reflection on, on who Justin Wilcox is uh, as, a, as a football coach. So um, there are some similar similarities over the years. A lot of things have been tweaked, um, but what we know what we're going to get is we're going to get a tough, physical, disciplined football team. Yeah, no Evan Weaver. That's the guy whose name Shaw couldn't remember earlier, but inside linebacker Kwani Dang is still there. Very tall for an inside linebacker, six foot six, six, but still very effective. And so is outside linebacker Cameron Good. It also helps that, that cornerback uh, Cameron Bynum returned to the squad last month after originally opting out. Bynum was second team all Pac-12 last year, but but after Stanford, after the Pac-12 announced its football schedule 3.0, Bynum said, hey, you know what? Maybe I can pull this thing off and come back and play in the fall. So Bynum's back. Cal's defense had a decent game against Oregon State. 
certainly a heck of a lot better than their sleepwalking performance in that Sunday morning game against UCLA. And Oregon State running back Jamar Jefferson, who is a dude, he had big numbers when you look at the stat sheet. 18 carries for 196 yards, and you say, oh, wow, he, he rolled up big numbers on Cal. Well, that's not necessarily true. He had only two big runs. Take those two runs away, a 75-yard touchdown on the first play from scrimmage that I think Cal just flat lined up wrong on, and a 65-yarder on the Beavs game icing drive. Take away those two big runs, and Jefferson put up just 56 yards on his other 16 carries. Defense wasn't necessarily the reason why Cal didn't beat the Beavers. Above all, two things cost the Bears that game in Corvallis last week. One, Garbers threw two critical picks. One in the end zone in the first half, that killed a long Cal drive. And the other was a batted pass that was caught by the Beavers. That killed Cal's final drive at Oregon State's 10-yard line with a minute five to go. But the biggest reason Cal lost last week? Special teams. Atrocious. Putrid. Heinous. Those are the adjectives I used to, to describe Cal's special teams against Oregon State last week. Cal's coaches probably used some other adjectives to describe things, but since this is a family podcast, I won't share what those other adjectives probably were. They had a penalty wipe out a 97-yard kick return by Remigio. That's bad enough, but their punting game was just off the charts bad. They had a 24-yard punt. That gave Oregon State a super short field. Beaver scored a touchdown on the very next play. They committed a penalty that took an 89-yard touchdown punt return off the board. And they had a punt blocked in the fourth quarter. Tremendous point swings at the hands of special teams. And, and over the years, I've always said, look, if you have good special teams, good special teams can win you at least one ball game a year. If you have bad special teams, It'll cost you perhaps two games in a given year. Now, Stanford's had some struggles in special teams this season. Not like that, mind you, but, but certainly we had real questions about the Cardinals kicking game after how things went in Eugene in week one. But given how special teams play has gone for both Stanford and Cal so far this year, I asked Coach Shaw how big a role special teams could play in big game this week? Well, I mean, as usual, we all know special teams is the biggest exchange of uh, field position uh, in every game. And um, they've got a dynamic returner. So uh, we've been good uh, on our kickoff and kickoff cover, honestly, for a few years now. It's one of the things we take a lot of pride in. Um, so um, that's, a, that's a big focal point. Um, if not for two, two penalties on, return, on returns last week, um, the, game's a, the game's a blowout. For in Cal's favor. So um, we got to kick the ball where it's supposed to be kicked um, with appropriate hang time. And we got to cover like crazy. Um, and at the same time, one of our emphasis for this us this week is for us to get our return game going. Um, and really, uh, you know, uh, getting missing Connor the first game and uh, Nathaniel Pete's done a good job, but we think those two guys can be game breakers and we got to give them those opportunities. Um, we'll continue to to use uh, potentially multiple people as our, our punt returners, trying to infuse some some energy in that position as well. Um, so yeah, there, there, there's field position there, there's there that out there to get gained, um, and we're gonna try to be the ones that gain it. Yeah, a, a lot hinging I think on special teams this week. As you know, one of my evergreen keys for Stanford is getting six points instead of three 
especially early. And as you also know, one of my other evergreen keys for Stanford is for its defense to get off the field on third down. Given what I saw from Cal's punting game in Corvallis, that's actually my top A number one key for this week. Because if you get Cal to fourth down and they have to punt, who knows what could happen? Cardinal outside linebacker Jordan Fox knows how important it is to get off the field. Here's his plan to do so. First, we got to stop the physical run so we can get them to get to throwing uh, on third down, you know, so stopping the stopping the run on first and second down to get that quarterback to throw on third down. And then once we have the opportunity to rush the passer on third down, um, getting after him, having our rush lanes um, condensed, keeping them in the pocket and then working together as the front line to keep him contained and get him down on the ground. So it's a combination of both stopping the run on first and second down. But then once we got an opportunity to rush the passer, having great rush lanes and outworking our opponent. Yeah, it's going to take team defense, something that we've seen flashes of from Stanford. But eh. meanwhile, Cal has an effective secondary, but they can't be as deep as, as Stanford's wide receiving core is, especially with Osiris St. Brown adding a quality body back to that Stanford wide receiving core. Use them. Use them. I hope Stanford's offense finds mismatches in the passing game. I'm not an offensive coordinator, but I sometimes play one on the radio and the internet. I wouldn't try to do a whole lot of power running early against the Bears, but I would run out of passing formations. Don't try to beat Cal in a phone booth. Their front seven, I think, is still too good. Spread them out a bit and run from there and convert third downs. Keep Stanford's offense on the field as much as you possibly can. Key player here could be running back Austin Jones, who, as we talked about last week, had a more complete game than you might think against Colorado. I mean, yeah, he only had nine carries for just nine yards, but there was much more to his day than that. Made seven catches, and I thought was terrific as a blocker, both blocking for Davis Mills, getting downfield whenever he needed to scramble, and I thought he was fantastic in pass protection. So given those facets of his performance against Colorado, I asked him what his day against the Buffaloes said about his development as a complete running back in this offense. I think Coach G really put a big emphasis on pass protection, especially from the week before. We didn't do as well in pass protection. So just going up this week, like going up that week, actually, it was just like he put a big emphasis on like, we got to fit guys up. We got to strike. We got to sustain blocks. And I made that a big emphasis. I'd stay after practice, just keep working on it and working on it. And then, you know what I'm saying? I embraced my role for that game. Like I knew once we got down, we we're going to pass a lot. So I knew I was going to stay in and pass protect and just doing what I had to do. I mean, because at the end of the day, all it's about is the team winning the game. And if, it's, if I got a pass protect, I'm going to do it to the fullest. Certainly encouraging. No doubt about that. But I think that Stanford would be better served to be in a mode where they throw to score and run to win. But again, the onus to me is on that Stanford defense. Bears have some weapons. They're dangerous. They're versatile. Can the defense hold up? We'll see. We'll see. Meanwhile, for the first time, believe it or not, since 1973, big game is being played during Thanksgiving week. Coach Shaw told us what Thanksgiving will look like for the team this year. Probably what we'll do uh, tomorrow is once we get to the hotel, we'll have a meal. Um, but it'll be a socially distant meal and not everybody's going to be in the room at the same time. So we'll kind of have to shuttle guys in and out because um, this is just where we are right now. 
Um, but we'll continue to impress upon them that this is uh, just a great time to appreciate those things in your life right now. Um, appreciate the, the struggles in the past that would have gotten you where you are. Appreciate your family and, and, and this team and um, realize that we're strong enough individually and collectively uh, to get through this difficult, uh, the difficulties of this pandemic and um, hopefully get on the backside of it and a year from now be able to, you know, sit in close proximity and in tables with family and friends and and truly enjoy Thanksgiving. So hopefully once again, this is a temporary situation that we can still find um, those things that we, we are thankful for. Yeah, that's David Shaw. And, and for obvious reasons, Thanksgiving is going to look a lot different for all of us. I mean, th- Thanksgiving is actually my favorite of the holidays. My wife goes nuts for Christmas. I'm more of a Thanksgiving guy. And my grandmother up in Oakland usually has us all over, uh, family members, my wife, you know, we all see each other. We have a good time. We eat ourselves stupid and we enjoy each other's company. We're not doing that this year. I hate it, but I understand why. And, and I agree with it. This hasn't been a great year by and large, but, but still thankful for a lot of things personally with, with, with me and my family, we've been able to, to, to avoid a lot of the, the problems that, 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 that a lot of folks out there are struggling with. Been thankful that we've been able to avoid that to this point and hopeful that we, uh, we can continue to do so until all of this is over. And also thankful that, that I've still got this platform, quite honestly, to be, able to, to be able to talk Stanford football, which is near and dear to my heart, man. You don't, you don't follow something for three decades and, and, and make an effort to, to, to make it as, as, as big a part of your career if you don't legitimately like it. And uh, I you know, make no bones about it. You know, Stanford football is what I look forward to most in the sporting calendar year. And while I still have my reservations about the, the circumstances around which the team is playing, around which the conference is playing, and I still have my serious doubts as to whether the, the, the things are going to be able to be concluded on time, very thankful to have this platform, very thankful to still be able to watch Stanford football and to share it, share my thoughts with you. And, and, and most of all, thankful that, that you're here with us. Look, there's, there's a lot of reasons why you can be tuning out not just Stanford football, but college football and heck, even sports as a whole this year. There's a lot of reasons that, that you could have just said, yeah, you know, there's bigger fish to fry. There's more important things to do. But for those of you who, and I, look, I, I understand. I completely get it, but I am super thankful for those of you who have, who have stuck with it and, and stayed with it. Thankful for the Believe Podcast Network. It's been, it's been awesome to, to have them as a platform for this show. Certainly glad that we made that move in February, and we haven't taken a week off since early March. We've been here every single week, and certainly uh, in a tough year, you can still find things to be thankful for. And that's one of the reasons why this is my favorite of the holidays. So, so thank you for being here with us. That said, beat Cal. We'll certainly be thankful for a Stanford win and for the Cardinal to bring the ax back to the farm. Will it happen? Well, we'll all find out. 1.30 p.m. kickoff on Friday afternoon. And we will come at you next time 
to break it all down, most likely on Saturday. To let you know what we see, we'll bring you post-game sound. I'll give you my, my in-person thoughts as I will be in the press box at Memorial Stadium. And looking forward to sharing all sorts of things. And hopefully we're talking about a Stanford win. So the Stanford Big Game Review episode should come your way on Saturday. You heard from David Shaw. You heard from Austin Jones. You heard from Foster Sorrell and Gabe Reed and Jordan Fox. And you heard from Tyrone Willingham. Our thanks to each of those men for having their voices heard on this program. But again, of course, the biggest thanks, as mentioned, goes out to you for being with us here on the show. Have a safe, happy, and sane Thanksgiving. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. And be smart and wear a mask. Wear a mask. Mask it or casket. Talk to you this weekend on the next episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by the Believe Podcast Network, Beat Cal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.